1: We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm so thrilled to have my next guest here. I have Sally Krawcheck, who is the co-founder and CEO of Elevest, and I am a uh, Honored to have her on today as I was just sharing with her. I met her years ago at a Fortune conference, but I have also just fangirled over her and her, uh, you know, boldness and bravery to uh, forge lots of new lanes along the way. And obviously watching her launch, co-found and run a company called Elevest that you're going to learn all new things about if you do not know about it. But it's an incredible digital-first investment platform working to help close the gender wealth gap by redefining investing for women, which Sally knows tons and tons about. They've recently announced, uh, fairly recently, that they have over a billion under management. That uh, number may be dated. 1.6. There you go. I knew it. I, uh, there I had go. a feeling yeah. that it was a little bit higher than that. That's incredible. And before launching Elevest in 2016, Sally was one of the highest ranked women ever to work on Wall Street and widely recognized as one of the most influential women in business. And this after a Fairly high-profile act back in 2008, which uh, I'll let her share that story a bit, but I have as I said, fangirled over Sally for years and really admired her chutzpah and, uh, and also her kindness and her generosity and sharing lessons along the way, which I think we can all learn so much from other people, which is part of the reason why I do this podcast as well. So welcome, Sally.
0: Thank you, Kara. And right back at you. I've um, loved watching what you've built. Um, and really, I'm so pleased and excited to be here with you today.
1: Thank you so much. Well, I was very excited to do some more research on you too, and learned that you grew up in South Carolina. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, I'd love to kind of hear more about you as a kid. What did you think you were going to do when you grew up? And and <laughs> did you always think that you would be in finance? <laughs> no. My gosh, it would have been my last choice. What what
0: was going to be interesting about that? Um, No, obviously, I wanted to be a princess, but when that didn't work out, I went to my second choice, which was banker. But um, my my real first career aspiration was to be a journalist, and it was probably because that was a career that was available to women um, when I was growing up in the seventies and in the eighties, and tried to get into journalism and business management of journalism a few different times and never could. And um, it worked out pretty well because I found a career. My, my first real job that could be called a career was as a research analyst, uh, which is a lot like a journalist where you try to, you know, uncover new facts and information, try to put them together in a interesting way to you know, analyze them, write them up, defend them um, with a, you know, goal of, in the case of a research analyst, making people money. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of similarities between the two. Uh, but the princess thing carriage just didn't did not work out for me whatsoever.
1: <laughs> so you went to uh, UNC Chapel Hill um, yeah. uh, you and I were sharing that that uh, my daughter is graduating from there, and very, very exciting the the Tar Hill connection for sure. So you graduated in journalism. Um, I'm gonna coin this term that you wrote your way into into Wall Street. Uh, I guess as as your um, as you were describing with uh, being an analyst, which is incredible, totally makes sense. In fact, a Fortune article called you or, or editor called you no. at that time, the last honest yeah. analyst um, yeah. I, I saw. That's, that's incredible. So when you get compliments like that, did you ever feel like, you know, on the one hand, people were giving you compliments. On the other hand, uh, you have people gunning for you right that want to take you down and uh, yeah, it's a very yeah. complicated uh, yeah. situation as you rise to the top people have called it lonely um, but it's the disadvantages of actually being good. Well
0: it, there's a lot to a lot to unpack here. Uh, we could we could talk about this for days and weeks. Um, the, so back when I first got to Wall Street there was none of this unconscious bias or subtle bias. Carrie, it was bias. It was we don't, you know, we don't want women here. Um, and you know, I've I've written xerox copies of male genitalia left on my desk. I mean, it was we we really don't want you here. Being put on all the bad deals and none of the good ones. Um, I found my way away from the teamwork of investment banking to the solitary work of research where I found much of the gender issues sort of fell away, that I didn't have to fight to be on the best team. I just had to cover the banks, which was my area of coverage. Um, I found that if you had smart, sharp, differentiated points of view, backed by the analysis, people would get over the, oh, she's a, she's a girl, mm-hmm. right? Well, wait a second, I need to, I'm trying to make money by trading stocks. I need to have the information That makes sense. So I'm going to have to talk to this woman, you know, who, um, you know, is bringing and then the team dynamics fell away from me. Um, now when I was on the cover of fortune magazine as the last honest analyst, um, and when I was later, you know, on fortune, most powerful women list, did, did you feel the target on your back? Oh, sure. You did be sure. You did in the day that, you know, journalists tend to love, you know, putting people up on a pedestal and they love to knock that pedestal over and you know I've I've even had drinks with some of the top women business journalists who will admit it's even it's just more they just do it to women too mm-hmm. you know that it can be even more interesting um, to watch a woman climb to the top and then sort of knock her off it's it's almost it's almost where you, you can't help yourself so um, I think a couple of things. You know, I found that if you were always different and adding value and everything you, every analysis you published added something that it really helped me get to the top, that having a different point of view on the business helped me move into management. But yeah, there's a, absolutely a, a target on one's back.
1: How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined Too, Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. And I saw that uh, actually you talked about how, especially working in a male environment, I can't remember the statistic, but when you know you are working in a with a number of men, uh, you're on the cover of Fortune magazine. Maybe there are men that don't like that so much, right? They're they're like, "Oh, hey, congratulations, you got this," but probably uh, also thinking, you know, why her and why not me? Oh, sure. Um, and women
0: too. You know, you and I were talking about meeting each other at one of the Fortune Women's conferences. There were so few seats at the big table, mm-hmm. the executive table, for women um, that it, you could feel when you were on that list that you know, women at the company that you worked at, you could you could feel the you know, she got the slot, I didn't get the slot. Um, we often, Kara, talk with with our generation a little bit about you know the queen bee mm-hmm. in business, the woman who makes it to the top and doesn't help other folks. Um, I always say she was just an economic creature that she knew if there was one C and she wanted it, then she wasn't competing with Joe or Steve or John. She was competing with Susie, um, and that we were somewhat pitted against each other. And so I felt it; you could feel it, regardless. Um, and and look, maybe that's just the way of the world that you know, we love putting, you know, celebrating people and, and dragging people down. And I always found with the press too, boy, was I an unpleasant person, according to the press, when I was the chief financial officer of city or running Merrill Lynch. I, I would read about myself and I think, what an unpleasant person. But then I was so terrific, you know, when I got knocked on my tail and was clawing my way back. And it's, I've had, of course, the same personality since I was 18, but somehow you read about it quite differently depending on where you are in your career.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's so true. And uh, I, you know, I think it's crazy to think that you know one week you can be one thing and the next week you can be another thing. And I think we live in a society where you see it all the time. Somebody's mm-hmm. a star and then they're not, right? And it's uh, it's fascinating for sure. Uh, so before we get into hearing about Elevist, I'd love to hear so. Uh, so you went on. You touched on this a bit. Uh, you're you were the CFO at at City, and and can you share a little bit more about what else you were uh, doing in your career and and kind of why you left Wall Street?
0: Yeah. So if we we back up a little bit, when I was a research analyst, as I said, I I never said anything unless I had something to say, mm-hmm. um, which meant that I was often negative when everyone else was bullish, which you know got me to director of research and eventually CEO of the company that I worked at um the reason I was named the last honest analyst is because I saw the conflicts that um research analysts had on Wall Street where they were serving different masters different revenue streams and and said if we're going to do research let's let's be independent and give up millions of dollars of revenue in order to work for the moms and pops you know and the pension plans that are buying the stocks um So I did that. Um, It didn't work for a while. We were losing analysts, and then it did work. And that's when I was on the cover as the last honest analyst, when others had to pay hundreds of millions of dollars in fines for the conflicts. That's, Carol, what got me over to running what was then called Smith Barney. Now is Morgan Stanley, the wealth management business, chief financial officer of Citigroup, and eventually running the private bank. Um, Second big career milestone, I got fired on the front page of the Wall Street Journal because in the crisis, subprime crisis of 07, 08, I advocated partially reimbursing our clients because we had missold some products to them. They were supposed to be low risk. They ended up being high risk. I said, we should just admit we made this mistake and pay them. And my boss did not agree with me. And the board did. And I won the battle, but got fired. I was then brought in by um, Bank of America, I just bought Merrill Lynch and was brought in by the CEO of Bank of America to turn around Merrill, which at the time was hemorrhaging financial advisors. Um, We got it turned around. We got the attrition rate way down. We got the revenue growing. We were beating plan. We were gaining share. And the CEO then came to me after two years and said, now that the turnaround's done, not in these words, but I'm going to give it to my white guy, 60-something-year-old buddy, who I've worked with for decades, who's never run a wealth management business before. And I remember my jaw just sort of on the on the table. Um, you know, we've heard about that glass cliff. Women get, you know, pushed out on it to turn around businesses. No one wants to turn around. I guess I, you know, I never really thought about once you turn around, let's let's, you know, push you out. Um, and, and so then I thought, Carrie, you know, maybe I won't be at a big company anymore. Maybe this is getting to be a little much. And that's when I, you know, first said, let me find any inefficiencies in the market to start a business. But really, what happened is I had a re- recognition, sort of a lightning bolt recognition one morning that, you know, w- w- the, re- t- the first recognition was the retirement crisis is actually a woman's crisis. Mm-hmm. 80% of us die single. Um, we, you know, have 30 cents of wealth to every dollar wealth that a, a man has, um, that women are likely to go more likely to go into poverty as they get older. And said, so we've got this problem, which is women, we have this big wealth gap. And the big part of it is women don't invest as much as men do. And so that's what started Elevest, which is, huh. I know they don't. I know it costs women hundreds of thousands, for some women, millions of dollars over the course of their lives. My industry knows this, but has always had the point of view that it was somehow women's fault. We're a risk averse, or we need more financial education. And Elabest was really founded on the view that maybe it's not our fault. Maybe the industry was built by men for men, that an industry where 86% of financial advisors are men and 98% of... Um, mutual fund managers um mutual fund dollars are managed by men and 99% of investment companies are owned by white men, maybe, maybe they built it for themselves. And maybe just as we need our own medical research and, you know, we, we need something that really centers women um, as opposed to De facto centering men without meaning to. And that was the genesis of Ella
1: So, how did you, you had worked at large companies and, you know, but now you're, you've decided to embark on growing a company from nothing, right? Nothing. Dirt.
0: No, dirt. It was from dirt.
1: <laughs> right. You've got this idea uh, you've, you've got a name for yourself. It's obviously failure is, is going to be really high profile, uh, maybe, right? Like there's, there's all these things I can just imagine. Um, you know, when you're sort of flying under the radar, which you weren't, uh, you were going to go start something. I, weren't you, weren't you nervous? Sure. Of course. But that that's never stopped me because the, even as
0: a research analyst, if you're on CNBC and you're making a call, at least in your world, if you're wrong, people know it. You, yeah. you can't hide. When I went to go turn around Smith Barney and turn around Merrill, again, it was front page of the journal and and I got booted up front page of the journal. So to me, the public failure and humiliation, the embarrassment, I don't care. Or, or I do care, but I don't care for long. Yeah. The ability to live the biggest life the most interesting professional life, and at an Elabest, to change women's lives. Money is women's number one source of stress. Number one, taking action on it, Kara. Investing is the number one driver of their confidence in their future. Yesterday, you and I are both, in, as it turns out, in the Bay Area today. Yesterday, I was at JFK. Um, I've got my Elabest bag. I am getting ready to board the plane. I have a young woman with the cutest little pup puppy. She was holding. Come up to me and say, are you at Ellevest? Are you the CEO of Ellevest? I said, I am. She said, you've changed my life. Please thank the team, you know, because you changed the way I think about money. You've taught me about money and you Mm -hmm. made me money. Please thank the team. To me, that, I've got chills now telling you about this. The chance to do that far outweighs the public failure, humiliation. And by the way, the other thing I'd say, Carrie, if not me, who? Uh-huh. You know, to start a company like in Elvis, you've got to have a lot of finance and investing experience. You have to be able to build a tech team. Didn't really realize it, but you have to build a pretty big community because women need a place to gather with these questions. Um, you probably have to build a brand. You have to raise a lot of venture money, uh-huh. you know, and you probably have to have been in the industry. Oh, and you probably need to be a woman right if you tried it as a man people might like i don't know about that and so i looked around and said who the heck could do that and the yeah. answer is not many people and none of them were stupid enough
1: to do it except for me yeah uh, it's it's uh, funny that that you use the term stupid because i always say like who who would start a beverage company with no experience <laughs> and you know think that it was a great idea right and i'm like you know, what's the worst that can happen? It's uh, lots of amazingly horrible things have happened to me in the past. So, I mean, this is just one more. And and by the way, it makes working a big company like, which is hard, but not even close, not even close,
0: not even close. And you know, you can't, when you start out, you're one mistake away from failure and you can't get the funding unless you have the team, but you can't get the team if you don't have the funding. It's just, you know, and by the way, let's not even go into women in in finance and technology and what a small share of venture money we are able to raise. So you have to do it all in a very capital constrained way.
1: Definitely. I was going to ask you too, obviously you had lots of contacts in the industry, but you know, you're focusing on a different focus. Uh, You're talking to a bunch of men generally about raising money and uh, for a platform that is focused on uh, women. So how difficult was it to actually raise capital? Yes and no. It was
0: and it wasn't. You know, the the first door that I ran into is I, I didn't want to do this on my own. And I thought, let me go partner with a large bank or institution and we'll do it as a you know, have them put some money in, have me put the time in and, and have it sort of a joint venture. That was a disaster. Um, what the, One of the first le- breakfasts I went to with the CEO of a f- extremely large bank, um, we sat down and about halfway through, he said, yes, but don't their husbands manage their money for them? Huh. And from that point of view, it was like, okay, we, we're this isn't going anywhere, right? Because we're not doing a cutesy, pink it, shrink it sort of thing. That being said, that first round was okay because I went friends and family. So I went to people I'd worked with before. And I was fortunate enough um, to speak to know Joe Mansueto at Morningstar, Mm -hmm. who made the first investment. And, And what he said was, we at Morningstar know this has been an issue. We haven't been able to solve it. I don't know if you can solve it, but we think you've got a better chance than anyone else, and we're willing to put in some money. And so I went to folks I'd worked with, you know, and they put in you know, what was, you know, for them, not the majority of their network. So that went just fine. and went quickly. It was later, Kara, when we went to the institutional rounds, mm-hmm. when I could get the meetings. But I'm just going to be honest. You know, the, again, the research tells you women CEOs get about 2% of venture dollars, get about 1% of venture dollars for fintech, get about 1% of series B, so the bigger checks you know, which we said, you know, made it like a one in 10,000 chance all of us would get funded. Mm-hmm. And while I did know folks and our numbers were quite strong, there definitely, nobody was like, oh my gosh, it's the 50 X year old former CFO of Citigroup. She's the entrepreneur we're looking for. You know, I didn't have the hoodie. I it was a different age. I was a different gender. Um, And look, by the way, I think the fact that Nobody of my generation, male, female, non-binary, who's been in those senior roles on Wall Street, nobody's gone out and raised venture money the way I have. Yeah, Nobody. And th- th- again, because they're not stupid, but so it was hellacious. Um, it was hellacious. So interestingly, in our last round, where again, those odds were one in 10,000 against us, um, we were raising, it was, the numbers were good. People really wanted crypto at the time. So, Carol, what we did has never been done before. We actually reached out to individual women who were doing angel investing,
1: Amazing. and
0: rather than go to just the institutions, we pulled together something like 600 women and underrepresented investors, and through a series of special purpose vehicles, um, funded us from sort of in between the crowdfunding, which is a little dollars, huh? in the institutional. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had people write checks for five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, and we raised. You know, through that and some institutional funding, fifty-three million bucks.
1: That's amazing, that's, amazing. That's, it was amazing. That's really great. We uh, we did the same. I mean, a lot of uh, hints funding. We have uh, hundreds of investors um, mm-hmm. and uh, a few large ones, but we have hundreds of of small investors, yeah. and we've really found I love it that they I love it that they are really the ones too that that speak to the brand, that tell others mm-hmm. about it. Um, there's a lot of uh, great things about it as well. So what lessons had you learned along the way that you wanted to make sure you were achieving in in starting Elevest? What lessons? Um, Good and bad lessons that maybe, you know, challenged you and you said, when I'm going to start my own company, uh, the culture will be X, the, you know. Well, the... But- well, you know, you do
0: read, Kara, about women start companies, uh, start the companies at which they want to work, mm-hmm. that men will, when well, they start a company, often it's, I want to make the money, I want to go public, I want to sell it. Women are like, I want to build the company at which I want to work. Um, and so at Elevest today, you know, I mentioned the industry overwhelmingly male. We're 85% women, 50% people of color, 20% plus LGBTQIA identifying. Um, so we really are the flip side of what's we what the broader industry looks like, and and we um, you know really work to overrepresent underrepresented groups in, in almost everything we do. Um, and what we found, of course, is we're getting great people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because people who want to be in fintech or financial services look around and don't see themselves at the top of some of these companies. And in fact, it, one of them just you know paid paid out. Uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, for gender discrimination. Um, but then to see something that looks like an alabaster that has such a strong mission, um, has been really terrific for us. You know, I'd say the other lesson, which I know you will appreciate is do not start a business unless you must. Mm-hmm. Do not, mm-hmm. you know, do not. You, I, I remember Karen the early days being at, you know, a coworking space and, um, walking around the floor. And looking at all the different startups there, I'm like, none of the, you know, none of these are going to be around. Like you sort of hear about the ones that, oh, Airbnb, this and, you know, Facebook that. And like, that's what you hear about, but 90 plus percent fail. And I'm shocked it isn't more. Um, and so you have to, you have to really have to start a business. For me, I had to, I couldn't have spent my career with the privileges I've had with the experiences I've had that no other woman, no very few other people, and at the time no other women have had, see how women are getting knocked back when it comes to wealth, which is so bad for our society, so bad for our economy, so bad for families. A root cause, I think, of much of the anger in this country, these wealth disparities. Mm -hmm. And to see this, and to see how big a role investing can play, and then not do it. And then not like, I could not have lived with myself. And so uh, unless you feel like that, do not start a business because it is all consuming uh, for you.
1: Yeah, and I think what you're speaking to too is you saw this problem. I speak a lot on college campuses and I talk uh, to people who are, they all wanna be entrepreneurs. I'm like, first of all, you have to have a problem in front of you that you are losing sleep over that if you don't do it, no one else is going to do it. And I think that is what I'm hearing out of you. It just like was right in front of you. It smacked you in the face, however you want to look at it. And you knew that you could solve this problem and and you are doing that. What advice would you give to women who are looking to build their own businesses or or careers, uh, whether it's in finance or just in general? I mean, what do you think is like an important aspect that you know is really critical? Well, well, what I'm going to say is probably going to surprise you.
0: um What one message I want so many women to have, and particularly young women, is sometimes it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not your fault. We we have so many books that talk to us about how to get ahead, and so many magazine articles about how to ask for the raise, and so many about how to get the promotion, and all very you know here's the list and check off the list. Um, by the way, so many articles that also when it comes to money, Kara, are so dismissive to us. You know, something like three, three two thirds of articles to women around money and management of money essentially are negative and tell her it's her fault, that she's not, you know, coupon clipping enough or she's buying too many lattes or she's not planning well enough or she's bought too many Manila Blahniks. And so, you know, we, we sort of have this wall of here's how to do it. And if you don't do it, it's your fault. And what I want to say to women is it's not your fault sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's not your fault. You know, the fact you didn't get the raise might have nothing to do with how you did on the job because I'll bet you're working hard and I'll bet you're turning on your projects on time and I'll bet you're asking for the raise the right way. It could be the company can't afford it. I mean, we're in a weird economy right now, but a lot of times, Kara, it's that the boss, sort of by definition, middle manager, white male, you know, it can be. I know these are loaded words, but implicit bias, right, where, you know, I've so many of my friends as we were going into the workforce, you know, they just got got caught between a really well-meaning, really nice, great guy who just promoted people like himself. Now, I know that feels sparky, but when you look at the statistics of the companies out there and how the men are in so many more senior roles than the women, it just by definition is true, right? And we never allow for that. Like, it's just not your fault. You've just got a well-meaning guy who just forgot about everything he learned is unconscious, 30-minute unconscious by his training class, you know? And then when it comes to money, and gee, I'm I'm just spending so much, I just feel so guilty about it. Well, wait a second, you're only getting eight cents, you know, 80 cents to the white man's dollar. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. It's not your facials, you know, and it's certainly not your lattes. It's that you're not making as much money. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I know we want like a now inspirational, this is the way forward and this is a way to fix it. Sometimes a way to fix it is you gotta find another job. Yeah. You know, you can't fix it's hard to fix your boss. And these things can be hard to see. And Kara, I've seen too many women who stay in jobs for years and years and years and years and don't recognize it's not them, it's him.
1: Yeah, it's so so interesting. So I, I just came from a wedding this weekend and and talked to uh A bunch of my nieces and nephews who are millennials, and there's this consistent thread that I see amongst them as as well as friends of mine, where burnout is a massive, massive issue. And a lot of people, a lot of women in particular that I see are opting out. And they're just spent. And you know, it's it's scary to me because Mm -hmm. there, while I think that there are uh, they should go and find something else. Maybe it's it's uh, where they are, the industry they're in, or or whatever. It makes me very nervous from an investing standpoint and sure. uh, what sure. they're ultimately doing. What are your thoughts on that? Well, there's research that shows that senior
0: women are opting out of record rates uh-huh. right now. Um, and, and there's a little bit of, gee, why right now? And I don't know that I have the answer, but but when you look that we have had a higher bar at work, women, other underrepresented groups are promoted based on achievement, whereas white men are promoted based on potential. So we got the higher bar at work. Um, then at home, we're doing, what, three times the child care and double the housework. You know, no wonder we're sort of exhausted. Kara, I think it might be something about return to office where you know, so many white collar women have been able to work in the home and now it's you must be back in the office three days a week, five days a week, might be the straw for some of these women, where they go back in and it's sort of gotten used to, you know, wearing your sweatpants and not having the uh, microaggressions about could you get the coffee, could you take the notes in the meeting? You know, and women are just like, I just I, I can't even. I cannot even. Um, but there's definitely something in the water right now where you know, and perhaps it is this also, this next generation just isn't willing to take it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And there felt like there was a moment, the, you know, here comes, lean in. We've got the way. And then here comes times up and here comes the women's march and we're moving forward. And, and those have really collapsed. Um, and I think there's a sense of, you know, a slight exhaustion, um, about what's, about, you know, what's happening out there.
1: So, if somebody is wants to go on to Elevist, they have not been on to Elevist, and they want to. Uh, what is the first step for them, and and what can they expect to uh, get out of not only as a platform, but you also have a ton of education on there too, and communities. So, uh, what is kind of the the initial promise for uh, consumers? Why would they want to spend time there?
0: Yeah. So. Llvest is the only investing and wealth management uh, platform built for women. Mm-hmm. It was also built by women. It's funded by women. It's founded by women. We invest in women. We invest through women, but it's the only one that centers women. And Kara, this is really important. Um, and it's really important for investing for things like retirement. If the investing algorithm thinks, you know, is gender neutral, that sounds cool, right? Gender neutral. Well, that's fine. Except that women earn less, salaries peak sooner, take more career breaks, and we die later. And if you click through that math quickly in your head, what it means is that we risk running out of money if that's not taken into account. Um, so, LMS was the first that said, you know, we're going to be a gender aware or woman first investing algorithm. So, we help women invest really from those first dollars through to when she's very successful, you know, to, you know high net worth individual. We start with an online offering for her. She can graduate into um, working with a financial planner and she can graduate into working with a financial advisor. And so, through all of this, as she invests, she also has the opportunity to invest for positive impact, whether that's investing in other women, investing, you know, to fight climate change, you know, investing for social reasons, et cetera. We are not of the view at LMS you have to give up financial return. We are of the view that every dollar we invest or buy anything with is a vote. And so many of our women really look to, um, you know, vote with their money um, while also earning financial returns. Along the way, we have lots of workshops and, you know, uh, worksheets and articles and guidebooks and so on to help people with, well, again, centering women, you know, to help people with, um, you know, learning along the way. So. That that's a you know, you join as a membership um and invest from there, you know. Um, no, oh, that's all the best.
1: No, it's it's terrific. So last question: best advice that you've ever received. You have had an amazing, amazing career. You've worked in big companies, you've started companies, uh, you've really broken down walls, climbed over walls, you've done fearless things, very brave things. Uh, but what is the best advice you've ever received?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one, but but I think it all sort of circles around the, what would you do if you if you knew you would not fail? Mm-hmm. You know, what would you do? Um, that's number one, and then just do it. And then if you fail, you can pick yourself up, you know, and dust yourself off. I'd say, uh, if I give me one more, the other thing that's been meaningful for me is the exercise of, You're on your deathbed and you're looking back and what what life would you want to have lived? And I think that really adds clarity to it as well. And you've probably seen the research, Kara, that people regret at the end of their lives, not what they did, but what they didn't do. Mm -hmm. And so having those sort of combined for a sense of, you know, just do it. Just get out there and do it. You're going to fail a lot. As women, we've been socialized that failure is sort of embarrassing for us, but just plow on through it because I think we would agree nobody cares. You know, did you care before we got on? Oh, Sally, I mean, did you talk to, you know, your, your family, oh, I'm about to have Sally and you know she got fired twice. And of course you did not,
1: right? Who, who cares? No. Who cares about it, right? No, and I think the thing is, is that, you know, your story is so inspiring because you got back up. Right, and you kept moving forward, and uh, you know I think that that is a that's a powerful thing. It's it's the th- those are the kind of stories where you want to hang out with those people, right? Because they went against all odds, right? And- there is a group of us. I do have to say,
0: I, at one of these you know women's gatherings, is um, we're start, you know starting to get back together. There is a group of us like we failed publicly. We're like we should all go to a spa together. We
1: should just- totally, <laughs> totally. I mean it's it, it's a, you know and it's it's lots of women, but there's definitely men that are out there too that are that are a part of that as well. And I think it's it's fascinating how many uh, you know when you start to think of the most inspiring people um, that are out there, it's it's uh, I want to start a list. It's not the most powerful. It's the most inspiring because it really and typically the most inspiring people are the people who would say that they had some scary times, right? Uh, And I think that it's uh, it's very inspiring. Lots of lessons, and I so appreciate you being here to share so much. And Elevest is awesome. Everyone will have all the info in the show notes too. But Sally Crockeck, you are just a total badass, and I really appreciate your time and and everything that you're doing to support women as well. So thank you, Sarah. Means a lot. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks everyone for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023 and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness.